prayer, I want us to do something with the heaviness today. The goal of today is to bury heaviness at the foot of the cross. I, I felt that the Lord said that, that today's message was bury it before I had any idea what the message was. Exactly. I mean, I had an idea. And today we have one goal, one point, and that's to bury it. Bury everything. Not forget things. Not pretend like things don't exist. Not minimize realities. To bury them. Burying something is a biblical, ancient, eternal act. It's an act of worship, and it's an act of self, and it's an act of the will, and it's an act of surrender, and it's an act of trust. So today we're going to bury it. And I just want to start. Just put your hands up before you if you're comfortable, and let's just declare over every household, every isolated human being, in every COVID ward, in this nation and in the nations. We just asked a rushing of angelic armies into their presence right now. Sustain them. Summon them. Overwhelm them. Fill them. We call forth every follower of Jesus to release you, to release your power, your love, your mind, your thoughts, shifting the spaces, shifting the darkness into life, shifting the death into life, shifting the mindsets that people feeling completely unseen, heavy, lost, broken, sick, would be touched with the love of God. Every doctor, every nurse, every worker in every place of care, we release grace on them, release tenacity, release an endurance that doesn't come from their will, but it comes from a, a gift from heaven. Release Jesus. Thank you for their offerings unto you. We thank you that this is going to be the church's finest hour. All the ways the church has been misunderstood or giving themselves a horrible tone or a horrible name or a horrible article or line or whatever else under the sun, you are the church. Jesus, you. I pray that there will be more articles written about this isn't about Jesus. This isn't like Jesus. Because what it does is it takes the focus off of people that are always imperfect and always screw things up, and it focuses it back on Jesus. Sometimes I don't even care when people are cursing the church. If they just say something to the effect of because Jesus wouldn't have this or that, at least the focus is back on Jesus. <laughs> we turn the focus on you this morning. And in that, we take our heaviness and we bury it at the foot of the cross. And in that, we can say, I can have joy immediately because my burden is then lifted. My burden is not on me. Amen. Amen. Okay, I was about to have you stand up and rise. I'm going to do that at the end because I'm not, hopefully not going to talk long. And if I can't see, I'm going to talk even shorter because the sun's right on my screen. Um, so I want to start with a, a testimony. Like I said, we're going to give some announcements this week. I'm, I'm, I think I'll even send out a survey just to ask you guys how you're doing, what your capacity is, 
um, get a sense of just where, where folks' realities are in the midst of this season. But can I just say, you guys have been incredible. I know we, we only can look at a fraction of people here on a Sunday morning. But the, the way that you guys have lived life and contended and walked into the tension, even the way that you guys love each other and, 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 and some of you bringing your kids and masking and all the different inconveniences, um, thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't, to my knowledge, we haven't had one person get COVID from any of our gatherings. And that's because of the love and the care and the intentionality you've, you've given. So thank you. I, I'm not saying that I don't want to jinx us. <laughs> I also don't believe in jinxing. But I, I, I want to say this, that, that the next several months are, are going to be amazing because we've learned a lot in the last year. We are not the same people that we started this with. And I think we all carry a bit of an awareness of our dependence in a fresh way, which makes us more powerful, which makes us more humble, and which makes us more dangerous in all the right ways. And so would you turn your Bibles to Romans 8? Uh, our, our verse as a body, and I've referenced this a number of times over COVID, has been um, in Romans 8 where it, where it says, all of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the children of God to be revealed. And I want, I want this morning to lead up to the verses that preface that. What is it that Paul leads up to that, that paints a picture of what that is? And, but before I do that, I, I want to start with um, just, you know, my, my headspace has been all over the place this year. I've, I've done a lot of reflecting. I think a lot of us do a lot of reflecting. How many of you have, like, normally do a ton of just, like, journaling, looking back on the year, whether that's through photos or journals, and that's, like, norm? How many of you have done more this year than in previous years? How many of you have done less this year than previous years? A few of you have done less. I'm, I'm, well, anyone want to say why it's been less? Do you even know? Just is? Don't have any photos. Yeah. Well, because there's like a lot of those mo- moments of life, graduations and, and other things, like their marriages, weddings, and whatever else, you don't have the photo at the same number. I mean, all of my photos are in my living room with my kids. They look monotonous. We need some more background changes, right? Uh, Every day has been the same. Good. Well, we'll start shouting it out. Anyone else? Good. <laughs> what else has been less? For me, seeing friends, yeah. For me, I've, I've realized that I have started, in the middle of COVID, I started reflecting back. I'm, I'm now at a moment where I'm realizing that the Lord isn't as much asking me to reflect and look backwards as I've had to all year because it was really painful. The way I'm wired is I always like looking forward I'm the kind of person that if I'm having a bad day and a friend comes over, I, don't, I won't start with dumping my day. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Sometimes you need that friend to dump on. But I, I'll be like, tell me something awesome about your day, please, so I can stop thinking about mine or whatever else, right? That's just the way I'm wired. So, so when, I'm, when I'm having a rough time or a rough year, I don't want to reflect. And I, the Lord kind of took me in the middle of COVID, and, and I had to grieve, I had to process. I had to deal with the loss and the heaviness and all these things. We've, we've talked a fair amount about that, haven't we? And I felt convicted this weekend that it's time to lift our heads. It's time to bury the stuff that has come to the surface. And that's going to feel amazing. 2021 isn't going to be amazing because COVID is over, whenever it is. 2021 will be amazing when we learn to bury our burdens and when we take Jesus' resurrection for what it is. That's when it will be amazing. 
And that can be today. And that's the only point of my entire message. I want to start with a testimony. Um, some of you know, any of you know Sarah and Nathan Kotzer? They uh, worked for Heidi Baker and Iris's ministry for years, and we're in Mozambique, and they're here in L.A. with Iris L.A. Finney's in their son's class at TDCA. Uh, we're good friends with them. Some of us went through a marriage um, experience with them a couple of years ago and got to know them real well. And uh, they just have had quite the time. If you ever, I, I don't know if they've recorded their story of moving to L.A. and just, you know, some people talk about warfare and you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Maybe you should just trust God. And uh, I've never done that to any of you. Don't worry. But, but uh, other times people talk about warfare and <laughs> once or twice, I've done it to my wife. Sorry. Uh, other times people start talking about warfare and you almost go like, oh, that's intense. I don't know if I could have done what you've just done with your life. That's kind of the way that they've entered Los Angeles. They're Aussies from Australia and were actors back in the day. And, and they've come in to establish uh, the kingdom in Los Angeles. And they've had quite a time. But in the last year, um, uh, Sarah's father, who's a pastor in Australia, come to live with them and, uh, and passed away of cancer just recently in the last couple months. And uh, many of, the, of their friends, were, we were involved with just praying for him. And, and uh, he was very active to the very end, meaning like they were doing podcasts and he was doing teachings. And it was, it was just beautiful the way that, that the, his life was not just celebrated, but utilized to the very last breath. And the way that they contended and the way that they loved and the way that they trusted Jesus into the last moments was absolutely beautiful. Um, and in the midst of this, you know, I, I see like on, on Christmas or over Christmas, uh, her and her sister, Sarah, who's, whose father passed away, and, and then her sister, Lizzie, they were in the, the hospital with COVID. And not just in the hospital, they're in a tent, which means the hospital is overrun with COVID patients and they're sitting in chairs because there's no beds. Um, we just found out we're about to have a baby, if you don't know that, number five, because that's normal. And uh, we have to move hospitals because Huntington is so overwhelmed right now. Um, can we just declare over, over our city's hospitals a clearing? Clear those beds with healed lungs, fresh breath in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so they're sitting there. I don't know what hospital they're in or what tent they're in. And, and she posts this, this, uh, this beautiful testimony. I just want to read part of it to you. Uh, it starts with this picture of this man named Juan who's just sitting there. Just, you can just feel it. He's so sick. And, uh, and, and you can just feel the heaviness and the darkness. And she says, this is Juan. I took this photo as I was in the ER with him. And, and we just were tested positive. We felt the walls were caving in. So much shock, so much fear, so much grief. I got sick on Christmas Eve and had been such, I'd been so careful and I'm like, how did I pick up this dang virus, she says. So we're sitting here in this, this COVID tent. I started bawling. My head was in my lap. I'm crying out to God, make it stop. It's too much. Help, help this man who's over there who does, who's just coughing and is so sick. He's scaring me, God, she cries out. She's saying, this year is too hard. I'm grieving my dad. I lost another Christmas to sickness with my family. And how did we even get COVID? God, where are you? Completely legitimate cries to the Lord. Almost sounds like she's starting a psalm. Suddenly, she says, I realize that all my thoughts are for myself. This man feels like he's dying, but I'm really crying out of a place of fear for myself. 
Here's my question for us today, myself included. What are you really crying out for over COVID? What was the real cry of your heart? And then she says, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to stop, take my eyes off my own circumstances, and to look up and ask his name. God often starts with reminding us that he knows our name, doesn't he? He started with Mary and Joseph in the Advent story by telling them their names and what they would call their son, his son. And he said, Juan, as he moaned. I continued, Juan, I'm praying for you. And he instantly groaned, thank you. Jesus, help me. Because in those moments, if there's a shred of a seed of the Jesus that we know that's been made available to those people that we cry out to, they will agree. And he did. He said, Jesus, help me. I started calling out, praying over him, and Lizzie and I were commanding the virus to leave and ended up speaking Psalm 91 over him and the entire tent of those that were in the tent. The man next to us joined in with, amen, amen. And the security came to the tent window to see what was calling out, but didn't come in. I mean, I have COVID after all, so who's going to stop me? LOL, she said. Then she said, this was the first time I felt almost thankful to be positive with COVID and to be able to be in this COVID tent with Juan. Almost instantly. It was like almost instantly when she started making decrees, taking the focus off herself and releasing heaven on earth to someone else. Thanks welled up inside of her and she was thankful to be where she was. Her circumstances completely did not change on the physical and in the spiritual, it was a completely different experience and she saw thanks welling up. This is how Paul can rot in a prison and write this letter we're about to read. It's the same resurrected Jesus. When you take eyes off yourself, you can bury it. You can put it in its proper place. And you don't have to work at thanks. Thanks will come out of you. The eyes of your heart will see your circumstances differently before they change. And you will start to notice that you will shift the atmosphere around you. As I finished the last line of Psalm 91, she says, With long life he will satisfy you, Juan, and show you his salvation. Juan starts bawling. They all were. And she says, The atmosphere in the tent changed totally. From fear and death to peace and confidence. That Juan and all of us would live long and be covered. She goes, Covered 91 from COVID-19. Covered with Psalm 91 from COVID-19. Praying for Juan was a stark reminder. If we can get isolated enough through fear, division, and the craziness of 2020, we will miss the moment to just see the brother, the sister in need, and be awake to the spiritual war we are in. So our declaration today, bury it so that you can come alive. Awake, arise. She says, I know for me, I don't just feel like I can fix any big thing that the world has or solve any of the arguments or have any real answers for anything happening right now except Jesus, the person of love who drives out all fear. We can say that and it mean absolutely nothing. I have heard so many times people that don't have anything that just try to paint Jesus on a picture, say the exact same thing, and I can literally feel nothing. 
then I can enter into someone who says it from the place of encounter. When they can say the name Jesus from the place of encounter, it carries presence. You can say a name with no presence, and you can say the same name with absolute presence, and there is a difference. And that is the difference that we can live every single day. Will you miss the moment? She says, no matter what's happening in my life or in this world, the person of love drives out all fear. I can simply love the one right in front of me. That's so empowering. No one can take you away. If you get locked in a COVID tent, they can't take away the one in front of you. You get put in prison, they can't take away the one in front of you. If they put you in solitary, they can't take away the jailer. That's our history. This is who we are. Let's covenant afresh to love the one in front of us. She says, then she closes, this season has been so hard in all our hearts. It's been really hard for me to see anything or anyone but my own pain and my own grief. I encourage you today to lift up your head in giving love, and you will receive all you need. You will receive all you need. Prayer is essential. Your simple prayers and cries and declarations are essential. What you release is essential. Cover somebody who needs it today, and you will see a shift. Amen. Okay, so let's open this to Romans 8. And uh, if uh, I'm just going to read Scripture, basically, and make a couple comments. It's not a full-blown teaching. I rarely teach out of my favorite passage in all of Scripture, which is this section, Romans 6, 7, and 8, because it's like, have you ever read, like, C.S. Lewis, and you have to read, like, a page a week because it's just so dense, and, and you just can't get through it? That's what Romans feels like to me. So the idea for me to preach out of Romans is always one where I'm like, I can't possibly make one sir. I mean, I have to go like word or letter by letter for me to feel like I'm doing it justice. So this is not a message on Romans uh, 6, 7, and 8. This is, this is summoning us back to Paul and his place in prison where he would never forget the one. He wouldn't forget the jailer, the one in front of him, or the one church that might read this. And I want us to take hold of, of how he takes the concept of going from death to life and how he applies it to where we're going this morning. So Romans 6 and 7 are all about going from death to life. And then in Romans 8, I'm going to read basically the verses that lead us up to our church's verse, all of creation eagerly waits. And I'm going to read it in a version that you probably haven't read recently. This is Eugene Peterson's The Message Version. Uh, it's not the one I usually study out of, but I go back to the message because the language is different than my mind is used to. So things stand out in ways that they don't typically stand out. Romans 8 begins with this. The solution is life on God's terms. How do we go from life to death? It's to go from your terms to God's. And he says this, with the arrival of Jesus. You can follow along in your Bibles or just close your eyes and just try to hone in on the Spirit of God. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma going from death to life. It's resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us, Christ's being here for us, when we enter into that, we no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Say amen. Amen. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. The tyranny that we experience, first and foremost, the root of it is always sin and death. 
God went for the jugular when he sent his son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition. He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. This law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never, ever have done that. The law always ended up being used as a Band-Aid. Say Band-Aid. The law, Paul summed it up like a Band-Aid. Put on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now, what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, we simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. And then Paul does this. He starts attacking self. I don't want you to take this as an offense. I want you to take this as freedom. When you remove yourself from the place that it was supposed to be buried and surrendered, then you can actually be free. Our selfishness is the block of true freedom. The things that still block freedom in our country, at the root is sin, death, and the selfish human condition. And every single one of us carry it. On every single side of every aisle, we carry it. And Paul says this, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring. Stop trying to measure up. Stop comparing. Those that try to do it on their own end up trying to measure up their own moral muscle, but they never get around to exercising it in real life. However, he weighs that against those who trust, those who measure up and those who trust. There's two ways of living, trying to compare and trust. And he says, those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Say dead end. Obsession with self is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Because true freedom always comes when self dies. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. It's not distraction. The opposite of God is not Satan. The opposite of focusing on him and his presence is not being distracted with the ways of the world. The opposite of focusing on God, you have to get this. The opposite of focusing on God is focusing on myself. The danger of self. The danger of trying to protect me when I can't. The danger of trying to lift myself up and make something of myself by measuring up. Because when I build myself up by comparison, it always requires tearing someone else down or at least being higher than they are. It's just not the way the kingdom works. The person that ignores God and who God is and what he's doing, it's all about self. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. And then Paul says this in verse 9. He says, but God. And whenever you see someone writing scripture and they say, but God, that's the most important shift in the entire passage. And Paul says, but God, but if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. When you 
realize afresh, when you wake up and you say, he is living and active here, you cannot focus more on yourself than on him. He's inviting you into being completely saturated and obsessed with him. Anyone, of course, Paul says, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. Isn't that true? But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. Amen. And it stands to reason, almost through, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as he surely did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. And then he closes with the so. So what? So don't see. So don't you see that we don't owe this old self, this old do-it-yourself life, one red cent, he says. There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. This is the so what of the most theologically important passages of the entire scripture. Paul says, the best thing you can do is give it a decent burial and get on with your life. The best thing you can do with what got brought up in 2020. What we're not doing is putting to death COVID. We're not putting to death 2020. We're not putting to death all the little things and the horrible things and the hard times that happen in the world. You're saying everything that came up in my life, all the self that came up in 2020 because of the absolute fiery pressure this year gave us pressure, and what comes out of the pressure is what's inside. What was inside of me was all kind of self. And what came out of 2020 wasn't all this stuff that I'm trying to look at globally or politically or on other people. What I have to do is I have to take 2020 and say, what came out of me in 2020 when the pressure of life got tough? And I need to give it a decent burial and move on with my life. That's what we bury. And that's what we put at the foot of the cross. Because in that, we're not diminishing the heartache and the struggles of other people. We're not diminishing their perspective, their, their lens, their inability to see the world the way that I see it. What we're doing is we're taking ownership for what we can take ownership for and saying, I invite you into this way of life. Look at what the cross did for me yet again. Look at how screwed up I'm not afraid to show you that I am and what 2020 did to me, and what the process of being buried with Christ and alive with him did again. And saying to the world, this is my story, and this is his, and I invite you back in. And that's why I can have joy every flipping day when I look my children in the face because I don't wake up with conviction that I've screwed up. I wake up with conviction that I'm free. And when I remember the junk that came up of 2020, 
What I remember is the grave that I buried it in. Because it's been dealt with. Because I wasn't afraid to face it. And I wasn't trying to push it aside and focus on somebody else's junk. That's so freeing. We will laugh this year. Uncontrollably. We'll weep. And we won't afraid to do both sometimes in the same evening. Because we are free to be fully present with God and with humanity. I think some of us still feel so much guilt. We feel so much shame of like not measuring up. If there's one phrase that I think that the world felt and even the church felt this year, it's just the struggle of measuring up. I can't measure up to anything. I can't measure up to leading a church in crisis. Moms can't measure up to doing school in the, 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 the climate we did or juggling a job at the same time, you know, working out of the house, trying to do relationship, isolated and alone for weeks and months on end, trying to care for ailing parents, trying to go to graduations and this and that and the other, and trying to be present for your friends that are all depressed and on anxiety and they can't go to their doctor or their therapist or whatever else it is. Bury it. And move on. This might take a minute, but this is what we have to do. This is how we bury it. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your life. You do have to give it a burial. What happens at a burial? At a burial, we've, we've buried two things. This is lighthearted for a minute because I realize I'm getting a little heavy. Um, some of you have had to actually bury loved ones over COVID. I have not had to bury a loved one. We have buried two pets. And I feel like talking about pets now is a little appropriate because it's less heavy. And I've talked about it once before. A lot of love. Yeah, but it's a chicken, the first one, and then a cat. And it was harder for some of us than others. <laughs> but in the burial, it's, a, it's an important moment for the family because we come around, we remember, we take stock, we look at those there. How are they feeling and how are they doing? What did this, what did this, what did this creature contribute to life? What did 2020, what did it pull out of you? What, what did you discover of life? What is it that you are burying? What are in the memory are you doing? A burial is a moment that marks a transition. You need to have the burial. And we're going to take communion this morning, and I want you to bury 2020. The 2020 that came up in the pressure. And the best thing to do is give it a de decent burial and get on with your life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not timid in a grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Dad? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children, and we know who we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with him. And then here's our verses in fresh language. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between this present hard time and the coming good times. Let that sit with you. Paul is saying that's why. He's in the exact same boat that we're all in except way worse. 
He's about to die. This is his last prison cell. He's writing these verses with absolutely no hope for himself personally, really. He knows it's the end. And this is why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. All of creation eagerly waits, what he says. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures, his creatures, are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, joyful anticipation awaits. Joyful anticipation awaits. Why? Because we consider ourselves already dead and buried. And when you have that, you have an eternal perspective, eternal life, an eternal voice that speaks into the darkness. Juan, I'm praying for you. And the spirit of death is confronted with the spirit of life. Why don't you rise?